0: He sums it up of what church is. And everything that he said there revolved around God. It's not about the people that sit in the pews. It's not about the cars that are in the parking lot. It's not about how big a building is. But it's about God. And the story that we're going to be reading this morning shows about a a certain type of people that came to God for all the wrong reasons. And they were searching for him, and they, and, they, and they sought out for him, and yet Jesus called him out. Now, this week, I, I, po- I posted a, uh, a status on Facebook, and I asked everybody, I said, why do you go to church? Why do you go to church? Daryl, you want to pull that chart up there for me? I said, why do you go to church? And I got all sorts of answers. I've got, I got some good answers. Um, I got some funny answers. Um, i got to mention one funny answer I thought was hilarious. Um, Greta Otto actually commented, and I asked her, why does she go to church? And she said, because her pastor is hot. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. thought it was hilarious. But, um, no, but I got all sorts of answers. I got long answers, short answers. I got, if, if anything that I accomplished in that poll that I did, I made people think about why do they go to church. And I broke down each answer, and it's hard to see these, so you can kind of see the pie, the pie chart here, but I'll kind of tell you this. And, not, and, and, and before, if you answered in this poll and you're sitting there thinking, oh boy, I answered wrong. No, you did not. Nobody answered wrong. I just wanted to see why people come to church. And if you look right here, uh, we'll look right here, 24% of the answers that I got, there were 64 roughly answers that I got, 24% of the answers that I got said to praise God. 24% of the 64 that I got said to praise God. 22% said they come for the fellowship. They come for the people that are there so they can talk to them throughout their day. Uh, 25% say they come to grow spiritually, to grow in their walk with the Lord. Um, 9% said because it feels good. And I know, what we're th- I know what, what, exactly what they meant. When you come to church and you leave here, you feel good about yourself. Um, 3% said they come for uh, the music, the praise and worship. And 8% said that they come because it's habit, because it's what they've always done. Mom and dad made me go, so now I go. All right. Now, if you look at this, and then the 9% was other, and the others included my pastor is hot, um, free coffee, Um, yeah, I just got all sorts of crazy answers too. Oh, one was praying for Cardinal fans, I didn't like that one. Um, But out of that, you can see where a majority of the answers fell in. Right here. That's more than 50% of the answers were in these three sections right here. But what struck me is, and I'm not saying this is wrong or whatever, but what struck me is, is, is it wrong to come to church to fellowship? No, because that's what we're called to do. We're come to fellowship with other believers. Is it wrong to come to grow? No, because that's what church does. You come and you learn about the scriptures and you grow spiritually. But what shocked me was 24%, 24% said that they come to praise God. Now, these two answers here are not wrong. They're not wrong. But they, they've, they've got a central theme. It's self. It's self. Okay? And we're going to look into this story. And they bring up a very, very, very particular part about how these people come to Jesus seeking, not Jesus, but seeking for themselves seeking what they can get gain physically from Jesus. So we're going to be reading out of John chapter 6 verses 22 to 35. And I'm going to kind of read this very quickly so we don't have to waste time going over this and we can start breaking it down, but it says, "On the next day the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread." After the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they all said to him, then what sign do you do? What shall we see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread for heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, we come to you right now, and Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for church. We thank you for what it represents in our lives. And Lord, I thank you for um, the answers that I got on my, in, in my poll, Father God, of people love to come here for the fellowship, and they love to come here to grow, and they love to come here for the music and the coffee and whatever it is they love to come here for, Lord. But Lord, I thank you so much that we come here to worship you. Lord, that we come here to seek the Father. We come here because the Father is what we need. And Lord, we thank you so much for that, and Lord, I pray this morning as we dig in that we can start to understand that we need to start molding our minds to more a godly-centered life instead of centering around ourselves. And Lord, I pray that that, that right now that you just empty me of myself and fill me up with your spirit to deliver the message that you have here this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you, and in your heavenly name we pray, amen. Now, I want to set the stage for this story a little bit. If you think about it, if you go back just one section before that, Jesus performs one of his most uh, miraculous miracles that we see in the Bible, one of the most famous ones, and that is feeding of the multitudes. He feeds 5,000 people with just a little bit of food, all right? So these people that come to listen to Jesus that day, they get fed. He feeds them physically, all right? Now, After that, got done feeding physically, Jesus and his disciples take off for Copernicum. Now, the disciples take off on a boat, and then we know the next miracle that happens. Jesus follows them afterwards, and Jesus walks on the water all the way across to Copernicum. Now, what happens after that? This is where we jump back in. Okay, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. He's walked on water. They're over at Copernicum, and here comes the next part of the story. The people, the people that were previously there the day before that had just been fed by Jesus, come back. They come back. They come back to the the beach where they were at. Now, if you think about it, there were roughly 5,000 people in the same spot before. 5,000 people. And then they all got fed, and then they all went home. And then they come back. Why? Why did they come back? Why did they come back? Jesus' teaching were great. Might have been. Jesus just performed one of the most miraculous things we've ever seen in our lives? Maybe. Maybe because it was lunchtime and they were hungry. They wanted more food. But if you think about this, once they get there and they see that Jesus and his disciples are no longer there, what do they do? They get in boats and they travel across to Copernicum. Now, I want to point out that the significance in them traveling across to Copernicum to find uh, Jesus and his disciples. This trip was about five to six miles from where they were at all the way across the sea to Copernicum. Five to six miles. So they went great lengths to go find Jesus. Okay, it wasn't just one of those deals where, oh, he's not here, so they're going to come over here. They were desperately finding him. All right? Most people, if they would have got there and said, oh, Jesus isn't here today, we'll just go back home. No, they wanted to find him so bad that they traveled roughly five to six miles across sea on a boat to find Jesus. And then when they get there, they say, Rabbi. When did you come here? This question is very significant in in many different ways because it shows these people's view about Jesus. All right, And it talks about rabbi. They call him rabbi. Well, rabbi would signify that the crowd looks at Jesus as a religious teacher or a leader. But they did not adhere to his teachings. But they called him rabbi. You look back at all the different times. I've looked at all the different things about whenever uh, people would call Jesus rabbi. You know, they, they, when, they, when they tagged that r- rabbi thing on there, they almost gave Jesus kind of a human form, and they said, you're just a religious teacher. If you look back, G- uh, Judas actually calls Jesus rabbi before he portrays him. So kind of, it's almost, if you think about it in a, in, a, in a sense, it's almost kind of a way of demeaning Jesus a little bit by just saying, you're just a teacher, so they really don't have any respect. And these people just saw Jesus feed 5,000 people. They just saw a miraculous work that he had done, and yet they just call him a rabbi. It seems they seem to act like they cared about Jesus' being, but they actually just wanted the product of his miracles. They're asking Jesus, why did you come here for? Do you think that they really cared where Jesus was going? And I know what some of you probably think, well, Josh, give them the benefit of the doubt. But no, if you read on, that they, they came for a wrong reason. They're not, they don't care about where Jesus was at. The only reason they cared to go where Jesus was is because they wanted the products of his miracles. And you know what happened? As soon as they say that, Jesus calls them out. He calls out their motives. Yes, they went great lengths to find Jesus, but why? Why? Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Because you ate your fill of the loaves, that's why you're coming back. You're hungry. You're hungry. Now, if you think about back in those times, actually working for your food was actually pretty hard. Okay, you had to work quite a bit in order to buy a loaf of bread. I didn't do the math on exactly what it would cost, hourly wage or anything like that. But I read it somewhere where it says working for bread back in that time was hard. Okay, so if you could find somebody that was giving out free bread and free fish, I'm sure you would go to him. So that's why they go and Jesus calls them out. They had come for the food. They didn't come to see Jesus. They didn't come to hear his teachings. They didn't come to see his miracles. They came because Jesus provided food and that's what they wanted. They wanted to fill themselves physically, that's all they wanted. Now, what if Jesus walked in these doors today and started calling us out? What if Jesus came in here today and said, Why are you here? What are your motives for being here this morning? Are you coming because it makes you feel good? Are you coming here because you you get to see other people? Are you coming here because we got free coffee and the best cappuccino in the state of southern Indiana? Try the cappuccino if you've never been here before. It's amazing. Okay? But why, why, why are we here? If Jesus came and started calling us out, where would our motives be? Well, I had that chart up there a while ago where, where most of us voted, you know, we kind of said we come here for a little bit of a personal reason. Only 24% said they come to actually worship God. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not up here to chew everybody out that's, that voted in my poll or that comes here for fellowship or comes here to grow or comes here for the praise. I'm not calling anybody out on that. I'm just saying what should be our main reason why we are here? Because honestly, Jesus knows. Jesus knows our reasons for being here this morning. He knows our motives. And the thing is, we can come here and we can fake it all we want. We can say that we're here to be glorified, to glorify the Lord, and we're here to do all this stuff. But in our hearts, where are we at? Are we these people that are coming to the Lord just to be fed? Do we come here to get some physical need, that feel-good feeling of church, just to leave here, if you come to church for a feel-good feeling, you're here for the wrong reasons. Because that's not what he intended it for to be. Church is intended to be a place where we come and we glorify God. We come to be sitting in his presence this morning and to hear out of his word and to hear what he has. And when we're singing, we're praising, worshiping him in all that we have. Because just like that last song needs said... Lord, I need you. This may be news to some of us here. When I started reading this, I started thinking, holy cow, I, 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 have started, I have came to church so many times for the wrong reason. Do we come here to look good? Because honestly, I got some answers that that's why people said. People, some people said that they come here to look good. They were being completely honest, and I love that they were being honest with me. They said they come to look good, or they come because it's expected. You know, we live in a we live in a community where it's honestly more you get more persecuted if you don't come to church than you do if you do come to church. Because everybody goes to church. Everybody goes to church. So, but why are you coming? Are you coming because it's expected? It's because what everybody does. Now I right wrote down here, that's why everyone does. That's where that's kind of where the hangout spot is. I can go and talk to people about all sorts of different things. We come here, you sit here for an hour, listen to Josh talk for an hour and a half sometimes, and then we leave and then we just, yeah, we got our social event in for the day. It's more than that. Are you coming to church because you want to go to heaven? Is that, is that why you're coming to church this morning? That's a physical, that, that's a selfish reason to come. That's a selfish reason to come. Do you come because your family makes you come? Kids? High school Kids? Are you here because your parents make you come? They drag you out of bed? They could not see the full picture of why Jesus was here on earth. They couldn't see it. They only saw the physical need. They were blinded by their physical needs that they could not see the real reason why Jesus was here. And this crowd was not oblivious because this crowd had followed Jesus around forever. And they had saw miracles be done by Jesus. They had heard his teachings. And yet they still were blinded by what he was doing. Because all they were thinking about was themselves and getting the bread. That's all they wanted. Well, then Jesus goes on. And this is the second part in your note about the truth. He tells them the truth in verse 27. Jesus says, Do not work for the food that perishes. Perish, the Greek word for that is apolomi, and that means to destroy, to put away, or to ruin, okay? So he's talking about, do not work for the food that perishes. How many of us are working for food that perishes? All those reasons I listed here, status, um, because it's expected, so we look good, all that stuff, that is food that perishes. And what is it saying here that perish means? It's going to destroy you, it's going to put you out of the way of God, and it's going to ruin you. If you are working for food that perishes, it will ultimately ruin you. And what does that ruin mean, Josh? How serious is that ruin? That serious ruin is the determination between life and death. Are you seeking God because he is the Lord and Savior of your life? It's a fair question to ask. It says, what food are we striving for today? Are we striving for food that that will destroy you, or are you searching for food that is going to ultimately bring eternal life? He goes on to say that. He says, work for the food that endures to eternal life. What does endure stay? The Greek word is uh, meno, and it says to remain or to abide. Eternal life does not destroy. Eternal life means you live forever. So for enduring for eternal life, we're pushing through. We're doing the things that we want because that food is what's going to last forever. And then he says, for on him, God the Father has set his seal. Here's the thing I don't get about Jesus, all right? This is why Josh is not Jesus. Because Josh would have been so frustrated with this crowd because he had just done all these different things, and yet this crowd still doesn't get it. He just says, for on him, God the Father has set his seal. Could he be any more clear about who Jesus is? At this point, if I'm Jesus, I'm saying, holy cow, guys. Can you not see it? You've been around me. You've heard my teaching. You've seen my miracles. Can you not see that I'm different? Can you not see that I am the one who the Father has sent? And the thing I have to be careful about sometimes is when I start digging into the Word and I start reading about um, when the disciples would doubt Jesus, or I start reading about this crowd, and I start looking at that stuff, and I start thinking, how could they be so ignorant? And then I step back and think, whoa, Josh. You're ignorant too sometimes. You step back and you look and you think, man, God has built this church for for a reason to glorify him. He has built this church. And yet sometimes I get such a wrong mindset of how church is supposed to be. And I get a wrong mindset of why I'm coming. And then my motives start becoming all wrong. And then I become ignorant to the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me. And that he lives in me. And the reason I go to church is to glorify him with fellow believers. But we become ignorant of it sometimes. What is this food that Jesus is talking about? Acts 4, Acts 4, verse 12 says, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name but Jesus. That is the food that we need to be working for. So then Jesus goes on and responds like that, and the crowd responds just like every single one of us would respond. Every single one of us would respond in the way that this crowd responds. Because the crowd says, he says all this stuff, and the crowd goes, what must we do to be doing the works of God? When we, and we we talked about this in our Bible study on Thursday night, but when we stop looking at God in human terms, then we can fully understand him. Do you understand what I mean there? Because what they're doing here is they're saying, what do we got to do? What do we have to do? Everything in this world, in order to gain something, you have to do something. Okay, well, you'll give me this, but what do I have to do for you? Okay, do, 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 do. We need to stop having that do mindset because that's not what he's saying here. When we start looking at God in terms that are far greater than us, and we can understand that, listen, It's as simple as coming to Jesus. That's as simple as it is. And he says that as he goes on here. He says, Jesus' answer is perfect, what he says. He says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's all. That's all he says to do is to believe in him who he was sent. And what do we do as a church and what do we do as Christians? We try to complicate it and we say you have to do this, 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 and this, and then you get heaven. That couldn't be any farther from the truth. What does he say to do? The work of God is to believe in the one he has sent. Believe in Jesus, boom, you get heaven. Whoa, Josh, that sounds pretty simple. It is that simple. It is. That's why people don't get Christianity, because it's that simple. Do you understand that we are the only religion in the entire world that doesn't have a list of do's that we have to do? in order to gain eternal life. All we have to do is accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and boom, we are changed by the gospel. Our ways are changed, our hearts are changed, our minds are changed if we let Jesus in and we truly believe in him. Now, what does true belief look like? True belief looks like true faith, absolute surrender. If you truly believe in Jesus, you have absolutely surrendered your life to him. And there's not a list of rules that we have to say, oh, we can't do that, we can't do that, can't do that, can't do that, okay, can't do that, can't do that. It's not what it is. It's we don't want to do that, we don't want to do this, we don't want to do that. That's what it becomes. Your can'ts becomes, your can'ts becomes don't. And yet these people still don't get it. And we, don't, we still don't get it. It's too simple. It's too simple, Josh. There's got to be a method. No, it's not. Believe in him who he has sent. You want to be saved? Have true, absolute belief in Jesus Christ. If you have never done that before in your life, find me afterwards, and we will take care of it. I will share the gospel of Jesus for you. I will tell you that Jesus came down to this earth to die on a cross so that you and me can be saved from our punishment of our sins that we commit. It's not a matter of working for God, but it's a matter of letting God work through us. If you don't get anything out of this message, get that. It is not us working for God. It is allowing God to work through us. You want to do the work of God? Believe in him, and he'll work right through you. That is what he's saying right here. But this crowd still doesn't get it. They still didn't get it. Jesus has spelt out everything to them, and yet they are complicating the gospel message, just like all of us do today. But then at the end of this, they start talking about Moses. And they're like, well, give us this bread that Moses gave us. Well, Moses didn't give you that bread. God gave you that bread. And he tells them that. He says, God sent down the manna from heaven. He, they believe that Moses saved his people. That's not true. God saved his people. How did he save his people? Through Moses. Moses didn't do anything. Moses just let God work through him in order that they could have the bread that they needed. And then this last statement that the, that the people say just completely blows my mind. Because here's Jesus, and he's sitting here, and he's talking about all this stuff, and he's talking about this, and he, 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 he's... I mean, if you can't get that Jesus is the answer by now... I question your brain activity because he has spelt it out so thoroughly through here. And here's what the people say. They say, sir, give us this bread always. Still don't get it. Still don't get it. Give us this bread. He's right in front of you. The bread he's talking about is right in front of you. He's the one talking to you right now. That is the bread that we need. That is the bread that's going to endure through eternal life. So then Jesus finally gives up. He gives up. He said, all right, fine. I'm just going to say it. And he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Shall never hunger and shall never thirst. Jesus... Is the answer to our fulfillment. If we continually try to fill our hearts up, can fill our souls up with the physical needs that we think we need, whether it's the feel good feeling, whether it's the free coffee, whether it's the fellowship with other people, whenever we try to fill ourselves up with that all the time, The only thing that ever happens is that we keep wanting more. We keep striving for more. We keep wanting more and more and more and more and more and more of this. And Jesus says, if you come to me, you will never hunger and you will never thirst ever again. True fulfillment is found in Jesus Christ. The message that he portrays here is so simple, yet so important. Because I think we need to stop making church about what church can do for me and start making church about what we can do for God. Because that is what our purpose is. If we have been filled with that bread, that eternal bread, that, the working for that bread that, ne- that endures to eternal life... We will find fulfillment. Philippians 4, 4.19 says, And my God will supply you with every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? He will fill us and supply us with everything we need. So in closing, I want to talk about this. We can sit back and we can look at this crowd and we can understand, we can sit there and say, why weren't they getting it? Why weren't they getting it? Why weren't they getting it? Why were they missing it? Because they had the physical on their mind. They were thinking like this and not like this. So my question to you this morning is, why are you here? Why are you here this morning? basketball team. I'm going to approach you guys. Why are you here this morning? I know Coach Hughes told you to come here, but but why are you here? You could have easily stayed in your bed. I wouldn't have recommended it because you might have been in trouble, but why are you here? Why are you guys here this morning? Guests, why are you here? Why did you come here this morning? Are you seeking for for, for new fellowship? Are you seeking for um, better coffee? Are you singing, seeking better music songs that we sing? Why are you here? I'm here to tell you, people of Providence, why do you guys come here every Sunday? Have you ever sat back and just asked yourself that question? It's such a simple question, but it's, 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 it can truly show the manner of your heart. I used to come because I didn't want to get ridiculed by people for not coming. But Why are we here? We're here to be fed. Fed that word that endures to eternal life. Glorifying that word. Glorifying that bread. Glorifying the one who saved us. We're here to worship, to fall at the altar, to fall to our knees and just pray out to God. God, I'm here because I need you. I'm here because you're all I got. I'm here because you blessed me with so many things. I'm here because I love you. We as humans can get so wrapped up in physical feelings and desires of the world, and we are completely ignoring the simple, spiritual truth that is given to us in this scripture. The gospel. It's what drives us. It's what fuels us. It's what fills us up. So this morning, if you're in here with an empty tank, turn to Jesus. Turn to the bread that is going to endure to eternal life. Because when you do that, you'll be filled beyond measure. And you will never Ever be hungry or thirsty again? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you just now, Lord, and Lord, we just, Lord, um, we thank you. Lord, why do, why do we thank you, Lord? We thank you because you are the one that supplies every one of our needs. You supply us with a house, with a car, with clothes, with family, with friends, with this building, with this body. But Lord, more importantly, you've blessed us with the sending of your Son. Lord, I pray that this morning, as we can take that 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 gospel message of you sending your Son to die on the cross for us, Lord, you, we could take that bread and we could partake of that bread. So when we partake of that bread, Lord, that we can never be empty again; that we are fulfilled for eternity. Lord, you tell us that if we eat of the bread that, that it endures to eternal life, Lord, that we will never go hungry again. We will never be thirsty again. There will, no, there will never be anything on this earth that we desire more than you. Lord, I just pray right now that as we go throughout our week, that we understand that the, the, the things of this world can only supply us for such a short period of time. And in the end, they ultimately disappoint us because we, we, we strive to find something that we desire. And we set our expectations so low, but yet we need to set our expectations so high and strive after that love. Strive after that. We need to start desiring the love that you have given us. And Lord, once we get that, Lord, that we can just walk with a new confidence. We can walk with a new um, uh, spirit. We can walk with, with power because you live inside of us. And that we are no longer uh, working to please you all the time, Lord. But we can just understand that you just tell us to come to you, all who labor and are heavy burden, and you will give us rest. And you will start working through us through that rest. And Lord, I just pray that that become our lives, not here, not only here at church, Father God, but through all days of the week. And then when we come back here on Sunday, Father God, it becomes not about the fellowship. It becomes not about the coffee. It becomes not about the music, but it becomes about glorifying you through the fellowship, glorifying you through the music, glorifying you through the coffee, glorifying you through every aspect of your service. You are being glorified, and you are the number one priority why we are here this morning. I pray that upon each and one of the hearts in here today, Lord, we thank you for forgiving us for when we fall short. In your heavenly name we pray, amen.